This is the Oklahoma Talking Company. Welcome to the Oklahoma Sports Show. I am Jason Evans, and with me is Jared Kennedy. Jared, how are you doing today? I'm uh, doing pretty good. Can't complain. Well, that sounds Can't good. Complain. Well, we've got another week of college football under our belt, and so we're gonna we're gonna dive right into that. You know, there's all kinds of things happening in the sports world as the NBA starts this week. Uh, Major League Baseball is officially into the World Series, and so there's just a lot to talk about, Jared. But um, why don't we get started with the, uh, I don't even know what you call that game, the OU Texas Tech game. Uh, a basketball game. <laughs> a basketball game is what you call it. That's true. That was a that was a, uh, an old school Eddie Sutton, Kelvin Sampson grinded out game. 66-59 to 59 was the final. OU went down to Lubbock. Pulled out the win, and uh, Jared, uh, I don't know. Did you get to watch any of this game? I, I did. I watched a. I watched a lot of it. I watched the majority of it um, there towards the, uh, uh, oh, you know, third quarter. Or so I was in and out a lot. So I was just doing a lot of checking phone. But I, I got to be honest. The the whole sixty six to fifty nine. If you look at the stat line, and you're you're reading these stats, like I, I, I would have guessed that uh, the score would have actually been in the hundreds. Yeah, uh, just looking at the stats. So, like, you know, because I've seen some seventies put on the board and all that stuff, but nowhere near the stat line that this game had. I mean, it was crazy. Absolutely no defense. It was actually pretty pathetic. I'd rather, I would rather watch this kind of game. I guess no defense and just all kinds of offense. You know, opposed to the no offense uh and just kind of like the cardinal uh <laughs> cardinal Seahawk. Seahawk game last night uh absolutely no offense the most boringest game i've ever watched in my life so i guess that if you're a fan of offense you liked it but it was just absolutely pathetic nobody could stop anybody um it was one score after the other if you turned your head for a couple seconds, you probably missed a touchdown uh, in this in this type of game. Yeah, that that is uh, completely true. And you mentioned the stats. I just want to read a couple of these stats. Um, you know, there was over seventeen hundred yards of total offense. It was a new NCAA record. Uh, but both teams, this is what's incredible. Both teams finished with 854 yards of offense. Like they had the identical amount of offense. Now it, it came in completely different ways as, you know, OU passed for 545 with Baker Mayfield. Patrick Mahomes passed for a, a, a NCAA tying record, 734 yards. But then, uh, OU got it done on the running game, 309 yards on only 40 attempts for a seven yard, 7.7 yard per carry average. And then uh, Tech only rushed only rushed for 120 yards. And so they, they kind of got it done in different ways. But it, I just when I saw that, that's incredible. Both teams, 854 yards. Um, and when you look at time of possession, Tech uh, had 30-53 and OU had 29-07. So it was like just right there. Um, but what's, what's really crazy when you look at, cause you said it should be in the hundreds. Uh, speaking of the hundreds, Texas Tech ran 109 plays on offense. And, um, you would think OU would be similar, but really OU was a little bit more down to earth because they only ran 76 plays compared to that 109. And I, I was just now looking at that and wondering how that was really possible because 
like you said, the time of possession was dang near exact, yet Oklahoma ran, you know, 25 or so odd less plays. Yeah, and I, was, I, th- I think the reason it's possible is because I'm just diving into these stats. OU averaged 11 yards a, a, a play. And Texas Tech averaged 7.8 yards per play. So even though there was no defense whatsoever, OU's defense made Tech work just a little bit harder, um, which I guess ultimately is what what led to the the score being what it was. Um, Because it was just one of those games. Like, OU got one stop in the first half. uh, They got an interception. And I guess ultimately that's what proved to, to be the difference um, because the second half, nobody was stopping anybody. It was, it was, I mean, it was unbelievable. Even for a big 12 game, it was kind of unbelievable to me. No, they're just shattering records. I mean, these are the type of games you go back and you're like, well, what record did they not break? And I mean, uh, you know, Mixon was an absolute beast. Oh, I don't man. think they, they missed P Ryan at all. If anything, it just made P. Ryan a little bit harder to get back in the lineup because, I mean, they just couldn't. And, and you could probably credit some of that to the poor tackling of Texas Tech, but Mixon just run over you. I mean, he's he's a beast. I mean, he's he's going to be playing in the NFL. He's he can do everything, run, catch, uh, and and he showed it. Uh, you know, with. How many? What did he end up? Three, three hundred yards uh, he had, rushing. Uh, to well, it. he had two sixty three yeah. on the ground, two touchdowns, and then he had one hundred and fourteen in the air. He had um, by himself three hundred and seventy seven yards of total offense, um, wow. all purpose yards, and uh, five touchdowns. He's the first OU running back to ever have two hundred receiving or two hundred rushing and one hundred receiving in one game. And um, you know, I, I you know, I don't want to. Uh, just be bragging, Jared. But I mean, we kind of called it, didn't we? Didn't we? Didn't we say oh, this man. would be Mixon's time to shine? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, we knew we knew he would uh, eventually just take off. I mean, he's been having good games, but we knew he was just bound to just have a performance like this. And and I mean, in what fashion it came? I mean, it was just run him over. I mean, they just it looked like a Nintendo game out there. A yeah. lot of R ones and circles. I mean. And like I said, you 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 credit some of that to Texas Tech not being able to tackle, but you got to give a lot of credit to him. He's just a beast, and and he probably is going to do that against most Big Twelve defenses, um, which none of them's very good yeah. looking like right now. West Virginia's probably got the best, you know, defense of the Big Twelve. But yeah, he just he had a showing, and we we, you know, we knew that was coming. We you know we called it. Yeah, but <laughs> well, we did. It, it wasn't help. It wasn't helping P Ryan out any. He was sitting over there on the sideline giving people shoves. And, and yeah, did you, know. you see that? Yeah, he stood you that know, guy you, up. you have to wonder. <laughs> you have to wonder. You know, you you can always do the the interviews and ask them, and and they always say, "Oh yeah, they're my team, and you're supporting your team, and I'm happy for him, and we we cheer on each other." You know, to an extent, sure, but that's a load of crap, in my opinion. And I mean, anytime you're sitting over on the and you're fighting for a spot, you know, you're listen, let's be honest. There's time, you're not always wanting the guy that's taking your spot to be real successful. You know, you, you want your team to win and all that stuff. But, hey, let's win and him not, you know, what, you know, not run 360 some odd yards total offense. You know what I mean? So I bet I bet there's a few moments over there P. Ryan was wishing he was in this game getting a little piece of this action. 
because he probably felt like he was missing out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, and that's just the the competitive instinct. I mean, you want your players to have that. You want P. Ryan to, when he comes back healthy, you want him to to really show everyone why he deserves to be back in the starting right. lineup. Um, it's but, health. It's healthy competition. Yeah. I mean, we used to do that in the locker room. You post up. You post up stats and stuff within your team, you know, and, and, you know, you have ranks. Hey, listen, you're leading in this. You're leading in that. And it's not it's not to stir up problems in the locker room, but it's to create that competitiveness that, you know, in in turn, you know, makes your team better. Because if everybody's fighting, you know, not settle and saying, oh, I got this job wrapped up. If they're all fighting for a position, hey, I, every time I go out, I got to be busting my butt or else is going to, you know, have my spot. So, yeah, it's that competitive, you know, competitive nature, competitive, uh, you know, within the clubhouse uh, kind of makes everybody better. So you can't blame him, but you know he's over there killing him, but he yeah. wasn't in that game yeah. know, getting those stats. It, it definitely had to be, and, and you know, you got to give it up to Mixon for for filling that hole. Um, you know, I mean, and they, they gave him the ball. I mean, he had, you know, 45 touches. Uh, on offense, which, you know, out of 76 snaps, that's a pretty good average. Um, you know, yeah. more than 50%. So he really, really, really came, came to play. Baker Mayfield came to play. You know, it was his return to, to Lubbock. And, uh, you know, he was making some throws that, that really, even for Baker Mayfield, were just like, I mean, they, they were NFL type throws. He was, you know, throwing sidearmed off his back foot and all kinds of stuff. And, um, you know, him and Mahomes really just put on a show and, and yeah, it was bad defense. And you look at, you look at OU's future and their, the, the ability, if they're going to run the table in the Big 12 or at least really compete for the championship, you know, the defense has to be concerning. But part of me thinks that this game was just kind of one of those crazy night games in Lubbock where it's just, you know, OSU went to Lubbock last year and what was the final, like 70 to 58 or something like that. Um, you know, sometimes when you're just playing these teams, uh, defense just gets kind of thrown out the window because both offenses are so, so terrific at just putting the ball in playmakers' hands, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I agree, but to an extent, you're like, listen, I, I don't think there's anybody sitting around the table discussing Big 12 defenses this year. Like I <laughs> no. said, I, I think, you know, from what I've seen, uh, it appears West Virginia, but, but, you know, Who's West Virginia played? And I know we'll talk about them later, but you know, just talking about the defensive you know, stance and where it was absent in this game, you know, West Virginia hadn't really played anybody, so I don't know that they've been tested. My point is, is I just haven't seen too much defense, and you know, you 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 tend to wonder, you know, uh, how how hot is Mike Stoops' seat? You know, if they continue to. Listen, this I don't care if it's Texas Tech or freaking, you know, armpit state. When you're putting up when you're putting up, you know, dang near nine hundred total yards in defense in offense, that it ain't good. And and they have too many more their defense haven't been too spectacular this year. So I mean Mike Stoops has got to be sweating it out a little bit. And I'm not doubting Mike isn't a good coach, but I think some of us tend to wonder how well he actually does, you know, in in these type situations, you know, how how does he handle adversity? You know, back back in two thousand, you know, two thousand, whenever they won the national title, it was two thousand, right? Yeah, yeah, two thousand, and they have that stellar defense, and things are going good. You know, you tend to to handle things differently now. 
things aren't going as good. They haven't had as high of recruiting class. They're not putting out as many uh, NFL, you know, round one draft picks um, on the defensive side uh, as they have in the past. And, and you know, things aren't great. So, you know, I, I kind of wonder what the, what the attitude is like, you know, around the, around the uh, coach's office and, and, kind of how he's handling those situations and is there any pressure on Bob to, you know, make a change or, you know, I, I'm just interested to see how all that plays out, yeah. you know, the rest of the season. Yeah, I think it will be interesting. And let's, let's kind of talk about the rest of the season for OU because, you know, they're sitting at 4-0 in conference, you know, they're halfway through the, the, the conference slate and, you know, some of their tougher challenges, you know, uh, have happened, but they've still got a few more uh, to end out the season. Next week or this coming week, they play Kansas at home. And, I mean, they opened as a 41-point favorite. Uh, against the the lowly Jayhawks, and I mean you I mean it would be like upset of the century for Kansas to to come into Norman and and win that game, and so uh, you know you've got to assume every matchup in that game favors OU. They're they're going to be able to take care of business. I think as you mentioned last week, uh, what'd you say, hammer time? Yeah, is that the is that the phrase? Yeah, it was hammer time. But I'll tell you, it wasn't. It, I was way wrong on both. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Both teams, <laughs> yeah. so anyways. Um, but yeah, and so, but when you're looking ahead at OU's schedule, um, you know, they, they host Kansas and then at Iowa State, and I believe uh, that's on a Friday night, and uh, Oklahoma State fans are familiar with Ames, Iowa on a Friday night, and so, you you know, if you're an OU fan, you might not want to overlook that one, and then they host Baylor at Morgantown. And then host Oklahoma State, and so really, you know, for OU to have started one and two, they're they're now sitting at five and two. They have the whole conference literally in front of them, and and in my opinion, Jared, they're they're sitting in a in a position to run the table, maybe have one loss, but still be able to win the conference. But to me, it comes down to that defense that you were talking about. Is is Mike Stoops going to be able to? to pull, string together defense to get enough stops. Because in that Tech game, their defensive line was in the backfield almost every play, but they were not wow. able to wrap up Mahomes. Or, you know, Tech's, Tech's offensive line, their splits, are, uh, they're designing a way to push you to the outside, which leaves the middle of that pocket, you know, gives him right. room to step up and all that kind of stuff. But, but the defense right. is going to have to play bigger than they did uh, last week, I think, for them to be able to, to achieve a Big 12 championship. Hey, if they're letting those guys run, you know, ten yards open like they were this past week, even against Kansas, they're going to have some trouble in the secondary. I mean, I'm not sitting here saying Kansas is anywhere near Texas Tech, but I'm, I'm telling you, you got to fit a daggum semi in between some of those, you know, receivers and, and cornerbacks last week, uh, just wide open. Like yeah. it was almost like, like, are we even trying? But anyways, I, there's definitely some holes there uh, some some issues in the uh, defense for the Sooners yeah I agree and it's going to be interesting to see how they can try to fix those and correct those uh, as they move forward and uh, you know they need to they need to take care of business against Kansas they need to uh, just just come out fired up and ready to play and so we'll see how coach Stoops has his team prepared as they play Kansas uh, Saturday night at six o'clock um and so that'll be down in Norman. But hey, let's switch gears real fast and, and let's go to the the one team that did hammer time in a good way, uh, and that was University of Tulsa. They took down Tulane fifty to twenty seven on their homecoming. Uh, they were up thirty eight to seven 
at halftime. And so uh, they left little doubt. And, you know, we talked about that last week, Jared, about if Tulsa is going to really make a run uh, this season to to improve upon last season, they needed to win the games like this one, and, and they needed to win them in a confidence-building mode. And it really looks like that's what they did. Hey, you know, I was watching. I got to watch a lot of this game, and and – you know, when you look at Evans, I, I'm just I, I'm I get more and more impressed by him and his arm every time I watch him. I just I think uh, I think he's got a big league arm. Like he he he's patient. He sits in there. His feet ain't moving all over the place, and he delivers good you know balls and you know strong arms. So uh, I think his performances you know get get better you know each week, and the the better he get the you know. As he gets better, you know, I think his offense around him is getting better. He's he's not putting up the, you know, 700 yards passing like Omahone or whatever. But, you know, 236, three touchdowns and no interceptions is a good outing, you know, no matter who you play. So, I mean, I I just think him and and, and that running back, you know, is just – um, they're looking good for the uh, Hurricanes. Yeah, and and that running back is James Flanders, who's actually their number two back, but he's put together right. back-to-back uh, big games. He had 190 yards on 22 carries and two touchdowns. And D'Angelo Brewer, who he got knocked out of that game against Houston, and and I think going into it, they were wondering how many carries he would get. Well, he did get 18 carries, but he had, for, for 61 yards, um, Tulane really tried to, to shut him down, but... Um, Flanders, I mean, the, that guy, I mean, the, the games he's put up, uh, his last three games or so, 190 yards, he had 70 against Houston, 132 against SMU, and 101 at Fresno State. So his last four games, I mean, he's really been coming to work, and uh, he's really been uh, just putting it to it. He's got 103 attempts for 650 yards this year, and uh, back in 2014, um, his sophomore year, he had 102 attempts for 456 yards. So um, he's really he's coming in at almost two yards a clip better uh, this year than he did on his previous career high season. And we're only halfway through it. So um, you know, when you got Flanders and Brewer back there, it definitely definitely makes Tulsa multi-dimensional, which also frees up Evans. Because uh, I agree, some of the throws that Evans is able to make, and I know you you could pick apart, well, they're playing AAC competition, all this kind of stuff, but sometimes if you can make a throw, you can make a throw. And um, that first touchdown pass that he threw to, to kick off the game, um, I think it was to Lucas. Uh, I mean, you know, just a nice little fade route, and Lucas made a heck of a catch. Um, but, but, you know, those are just the type of balls that, that – you can only place them in one spot for them to be effective, and he does it quite often. Yeah, he's just uh, he, he just uh, you know, like you said, if you if you got it, you got it, and it doesn't really to me matter, you know, who who you're playing. You still got guys right now, you know, and it, it always affects them when you know you got a line run running at you in your face, and you you know they they probably had a little bit more time with these guys uh, to to stay in the pocket. And stuff, but he just he's that's the first sign is making the throws, making the open throws, and he's doing that. You know, even against teams like you know Houston, Ohio State, uh, you know, yeah, he got hit a few more times, and you know there was a few more inaccuracies, but for the most part, he's still staying in there making those throws. You're seeing it even in those games. So, uh, yeah, I think as as he gets better, the team gets better, and that rushing game's really uh, taken off, and and uh, Man, I'm I'm liking their chances right now um, 
finishing out, you know, this season. I, like you said, they got a couple of tough games coming, especially with, you know, like with Navy. But I, I think, I mean, I think we can get it done. I think I'm feeling good about the Golden Hurricanes. Well, I think I think next week is going to be a great challenge. They play at Memphis and uh, on uh, October 29th. And it'll be a night game on ESPN News Network. And so Memphis is five and two. They're two and one in conference. They got beat by Navy last week, forty two to twenty eight. And um, you know, when you look at the numbers between these two teams, they, they the numbers appear to be evenly matched. Tulsa averaging thirty nine a game, Memphis averaging thirty eight. Uh Tulsa is giving up thirty two a game. Um that could be pushed, you know, because of a couple of overtime games. And then Memphis is only giving up twenty two points. On the defensive side, um, but yards allowed, Tulsa giving up 407 and Memphis giving up 408 and yards uh, on offense, Tulsa 483, Memphis 437. Um, and so they, they appear to be evenly matched. Um, Memphis, I think, is a seven point favorite coming out of the gate. And, you know, since it's at home, I think Memphis is going to be given an edge. Um, but, but Jared, I, this is one of those games. I, I, I kind of talked about it last week when you're a team that's kind of on this verge of, of being the six and six, seven and six, six and seven team versus the, the eight and four or nine and three team. These are the games that when people, um, it's not that they're just totally blowing you off, but they just kind of don't really expect you to go in and win. These are the games right. that if you can figure out how to win it, um, it can really just, just end your season on put your season on a great trajectory to end it you know what i mean yeah and and i you know along with that you know just talking about how the team you know has kind of hit their stride right now and and you know you're talking about you know on you know expectations and and um and all that i'm just sitting here looking you know Tulsa's kind of gotten that groove, and now we're now they're they're even getting more TV time. Yeah, you know, people are starting to see them. You know, the better you get, the more you know TV time. They're they're starting. To, that's how you get right more recognized. So just like it when you come into Memphis and and you know you you have that people's kind of unexpected. You know that you know that's your chance to kind of go in there and make a statement, not be the team that that. Uh, you know, things are going, they're kind of looking past Memphis. They need to be the ones that kind of hit, hit them in the mouth and, and just, just keep this ball rolling. Cause it's getting bigger and bigger and more people are seeing them cause it's on, it's on TV and they, I mean, they got it going in a good direction. I, I, I want them to, to just take off and get that stadium field. And I mean, we just got so many, so many, th- I mean, they'll be back, you know, for East Carolina, you know, back at uh, Scully stadium, mm-hmm. but, you know, hey, I'm liking where it's going, and I may even have to buy me a ticket and go down there and watch them. Yeah, yeah. One and, time, you know, looking at the American Athletic Conference standings in in Tulsa's division, Navy's at four and zero. Um, they're you know, so they they are without a doubt going to be the team to beat. Um, you know, unless they they may falter along the way. Of course, Houston has two losses now after uh, just getting absolutely obliterated by SMU. Do you th- do you think some of this is because they already know? Um, oh, Joe Blow's gone. He, you know, he's and and their their heads are somewhere else, and because that can have an effect on a team. I know they haven't made no announcements, yeah, and he hasn't been hired anywhere. But sometimes you just know. Maybe they've been having meetings, and the players know, the staff knows, 
you know, things aren't going to be the same next year. And because it just seemed like they come out the gate swinging and they're, you know, knock off OU, which, you know, we've seen what their defense is, but still it's OU and they've had, you know, they've just been playing well. And now all of a sudden it's like, where did this team go? And it's, you, you, you wonder is some of it because of distractions that's maybe taken place in the, you know, locker room. I, I actually wish I wish Tulsa could have got these guys a week later than what they did because I yeah. think they would have. I think they would have took care of them as well. Yeah, but how about SMU? Man, come along. So whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean mm-hmm. SMU. They they you know took Tulsa to overtime and then um, just got this. The, you know that's a good program win for for the ponies. But yeah, you know in reference to Houston, you know I would hope that that's not the case. I would hope that there hasn't you know been this this hidden secret that Herman's taking the LSU job or that, you know, there's some other job that's open or will be open or, um, you know, I will say this, if he doesn't have a job lined out, uh, people are now going to be watching, you know, they're going to be saying, okay, yeah. you've, you've hit it, ad- you've hit adversity. So how are you going to be able to write this ship? Because we know yeah. you have great players. Uh, we know you've got, you know, Greg Ward that, you know, he's a phenomenal quarterback. You've got a, a freshman defensive lineman who I think Barry Trammell or someone said would be, uh, 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 the best defensive lineman if Houston joined the Big 12 next year. Um, you know, and he's a true freshman this year. So, so they've got players, they've got talent. Um, and you know, you go through a rough patch. It doesn't matter how talented you are. Sometimes you, you go through this rough patch. And, you know, so I think people are going to be looking at Herman and say, okay, what kind of coach are you really? Um, it, it, let's see if you can write this ship. Let's see if you can, um, still, still get us where we want to be, albeit, you know, even though the playoffs are out of the picture and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, so Tulsa sitting there at two and one. Memphis is also at two and one in the division. So this game has huge implications for, for the division championship. Um, because, you know, Memphis has lost to Navy. Tulsa will play Navy here in a few weeks. And so if Tulsa can beat Memphis, um, that would probably effectively eliminate Memphis from the picture and, um, you know, set up a, a nice showdown with Tulsa and Navy if Tulsa could take care of business between now and then. So, um, you know, a lot to look forward to for Tulsa. And, and someone um, someone had tweeted at Kelly Hines from the Tulsa World and, uh, you know, one of our former classmates there at Oklahoma State and mentioned how, you know, who would have thought that Tulsa and OU – would both be sitting at five and two on the season, and both of their losses are to Houston and Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of. Um, she was. I think she mentioned she was going to look and see if that's ever happened before. So I'd be anxious to see if she comes in conclusions. But um, let's let's move on forward, Jared. And let's talk about the Oklahoma State Cowboys. They uh, took care of business, albeit in a very ugly and honestly very Oklahoma State way, forty four to twenty, uh, up in in Lawrence and. Um, when I say a very Oklahoma State way, I think I mean exactly what we what we were used to seeing um, with a on a, I hate to bash the guy over the head, but a Mike Yersich offense. Um, they tend to play down. I know they say it's we we take what the defense gives us. Um, I think it's more of a, a we we don't know what to do when the defense gives us something we haven't seen. Um, but that notwithstanding, the defense came up big in the second half uh, after the Cowboys went into the locker room, 17, 13 uh, leaders. Uh, but um, let's let's just start right here. What about the uh, triple uh, triple lateral from our D lineman off that interception in the second half? <laughs> well, uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope everybody enjoyed it because I don't think 
that's going to be happening again anytime soon because I think, oh, uh, Glenn, uh, give him a a bit of an old-fashioned uh, butt-chewing yeah. after that. Yeah. It's absolutely uncalled for. I know in the moment it's fun. Us fans love it. I love that type of stuff. But those uh, defensive coordinators and stuff, uh, coaches do not like that type of stuff. Unless you're in a, you know, game on the line, we got to get it down. But when you're in a game like Oklahoma State was, where every turnover mattered, uh, yes, against Kansas, that's the type of game it was mm-hmm. uh, early on, even into the third quarter. Uh, that it's just not smart because it's it's not safe. And when you get the turnover and you get that momentum switch. You secure that ball, and you trust that your offense is going to take it down and do the work for you. You don't start throwing that thing around like a hot potato uh, because it's just—it's not smart football. It's not you know secure football. And like I said, there's a there's a line that you draw, and there's a time and a place for that. And uh, when you're trying to get momentum on your side and you're looking for a big break, that's not the time to do it. And uh, I think Glenn was pretty upset about it. And, uh, you know, even I think uh, – I don't remember if it was Burton or, or who, whoever it was in the interview. And you could tell by his voice that uh, he, I, he he said, I don't regret it because, you know, it worked. But he assured everybody that it would not happen again. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it was fun for us. But uh, uh, I don't think we'll be seeing that anytime soon Yeah, happening again. Well, you know, uh, Mason Rudolph was 16 to 24, 220 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. I mean, he was good, not great, uh, but, but to, to, you know, the offense's credit, they were able to run for a season high, 230 yards, most of that. Um, 162 of that came from freshman Justice Hill. And, you know, Jared, I mean, Justice is a, he's a true freshman and it's going to be interesting to see how his body, uh, reacts towards as we get into the, the end of the season now. But, um, he now has three 100 yard games, uh, as a freshman. And, you know, I saw some stuff today. He, he has a very real opportunity. Um, to, to set a freshman rushing record this season and, uh, which would beat out the likes of, you know, Thurman Thomas, uh, Barry Sanders, uh, um, you know, David Thompson, uh, Kendall Hunter, uh, Tostin, Randall, all these guys. And so, um, you know, what did you see in Hill this week? And because I don't think it was just, well, with their playing Kansas. Um, what did you see from him? No, I saw, uh, you know, I'd love, I would love to give our offensive line some credit and say we got better and all that stuff. But if you're just honest and you watch this game like I did, a lot of those runs was all heel. Yeah. And I, which is a great thing dealing with, hey, that's the kind of back he is. He can make people miss and he's not going to get, you know, took down in, in one hit, you know, but it's, you know, it's not very reassuring when when he's having to do that, and your line's not helping out. Now, yes, there were gaping holes, there were big holes, but I, you know, those were the six seven yard punches that he was getting from the line. Those extra, you know, after you know after the touch or whatever it's called, the yards after, you know, whatever they call it, uh, a lot of that was on his own. Yeah, he was he was making guys miss. And he was stopping on a dime. So it's very uh, encouraging watching him, knowing he's a true freshman, seeing the ability that he has. And it, it's very exciting for what this kid has in the in the future. 
However, saying that, man, I just wish we could get him some help. Yeah. You know, as far as, you know, let's let's give him a little bit big, bigger holes. I'm not di- totally disregarding the, the line because there were big holes. We, you know, he a few of those holes you could run a semi through. But a lot of the times, um, once he hit that second level, he was making a lot of people miss. Yeah. He was collecting a lot of those bag, those you know, extra yards um, on by himself, and that, and I think that's what separates good backs from great backs is the line gets you that you know three four yard average, and then once you hit that second level, it's what can you do on your own, you know, to create plays and all that. So you got to give him props. He's he's a heck of a back. Yeah, I agree. And that's what uh you know, looking looking at his stat line, um he had 0 yards or 0 carries for negative yards. Um which was really astounding because he did not have uh carries where he did not get touched until he gained yards. I mean, he definitely got hit in the backfield a few times, but he never uh, never lost any yards, which um, I think that's probably the first time that's happened for him this year. And that, to me, was the most encouraging thing. Is is you know early in the season you saw okay this kid's explosive. He can he, he can hit the hole. He can get to the line. Um, but maybe his vision wasn't quite there. But it seems like the game's starting to slow down enough in his mind, maybe that his right. his vision is starting to see like okay how can how can I avoid this tackle? How can I make this guy miss? And because uh, to your point, yeah, the line they did they did a good job opening up some holes. Um, but overall, I didn't think the line played well at all. Um, you know, Mason Rudolph got sacked five times. That's ridiculous. And against Kansas? Against Kansas. Oh. And some of it, I mean, you could go back and watch. There's some of it I think was attributed to Rudolph's indecisiveness. He, he, he oh. held on to the ball Good. too long, especially like the, the, um, the fumble and, and things like that. There's, there's times he needs to just make up his mind, get through his progressions exactly. faster. But having said that, the line, in my opinion, did not, did not show up to play. Right, and and you you say that about his progressions. I, I'm sitting here wondering, you know, I wish we would start sometimes. You know, I think we start outside in on his progressions. We look for this guy, boom, 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 work our way in. I, I think that's some of his problem. We need to start. Those coaches need to start telling him, listen, start with the quick slant right across the middle, and then let's work our way out. Because I think what's happening, he's not even looking at those guys. Game after game, I get so frustrated because. Right, you know, my brother was telling me, um, we're sitting at rib crib. My, you know, we're sitting at rib crib watching this game, and you know, I probably got a little loud and it got a little embarrassing for them a few times. But what I was yelling at it was Rudolph. The guys are wide open across the middle, and and he's not seeing them because he's looking. He, you know, he's on his second progression, which is out. You know, little post routes or what, wherever they are. And I'm like, how how are we missing these guys? And my only explanation is that those guys running across the middle are our last, you know, his last yeah. stop in his thing. And by then, it's too late. I mean, yeah. they need to be one of the first because they're wide open. And then by the time he sees them, they're they're already carried or he's getting hit. And I think that was the the case this this last weekend. He yeah. he just by the time he saw him, he was already getting hit. Yeah, and it's so frustrating because he he's a heck of a qu- quarterback and, and stuff, but he just I think like you said he's a little too too patient at times. He needs to 
get get through that progression a little bit quicker. Yeah, and you know, part of the reason that the the middle of the field is so wide open is because Kansas elected to to not allow James Washington to beat him over the top, and he only had one right. catch for nine yards. And we could go on an entire rant about the Oklahoma State coaches not finding ways to get Washington involved because I think that's absolutely ridiculous um, that any team could hold him to one catch, let alone Kansas. Um, but but having said that, the only way you're going to make those teams pay is if you can find people over the middle. And McCleskey stepped up. You know, he he had 129 yards on six receptions. Um, but after that, yeah, Chris Carson, two for 27, which I, I have to throw out a great game by Carson. He came back after being off. I mean, 27 yards receiving and a touchdown. And then he had 59 yards running and two touchdowns on eight carries. So so great game by Carson. But but So McCleskey comes up, and then you've got Jarwin one catch, Justice Hill, one catch. Chris Lacey, one catch. Uh, Washington, one catch. Juwan Seals, two catches for nine yards. Um, you know, we, we spent a lot of time talking about Seals last week, and, and this, this Oklahoma State team needs him to step up on the other side. But by the same token, maybe it just needs to be that, that Rudolph finds him, you know, goes through those progressions where they can find him. Because um, it wasn't for a lack of be- people being open, like you said. It, it just... It just didn't seem like it was the ones that maybe Rudolph wanted to be open. And I think, I think, I mean, at this point, sad to say, but it's like, uh, you know, I'd almost, if Rudolph had be happy to be listening to our podcast, I would say, hey, screw the coaches, buddy, do your thing. Like, quit looking over there, you know, having them change supply. I know we're still in college and all that, but I, I tell time and time again, that's the difference between him and Brandon Whedon. Mm-hmm. They let Whedon take control the offense. They let him see the things that he needed to see, and they let him do that. And, yeah, they can maybe say we're letting Rudolph, you know, change the plays and all that stuff, but, but it's so slow. It's not the – I'm not saying we're Peyton Manning or anybody, you know, like that, but it's it, – we have the slowest, quick-paced offense in the nation. We – when we change plays, we look over the sideline. We like at a, to a point. I think you need to trust that he's going to make good decisions. Cut him loose and say, "Listen, you make the call. You work on the progressions. If you see something and it calls for looking at this guy first, him second, him third, him fourth, whatever. You see something different. Look at the guy over here first. You know mm-hmm. what you you make the end. I just think think it's too hard for coaches to see that because. They're not the ones running the plays. They're sitting over there. You know, they're not. They don't have the headset inside his helmet, saying, "Okay, you got a guy open to yeah. your left. Throw it." Yeah. You know, it, it's the quarterback. So, I, I they can make the adjustments and all that stuff. Hey, look, they're open. You need to start looking at him first, and you know, whatever. But to a point, I, and maybe I'm way wrong. Maybe they are doing that. But to a point, I think you just need to cut him loose and say, "Listen, here's your check down plays. This is it." You you run it. It's your show. Because uh, I'll say it again. I, that is the difference. He's got the big big league arm. He's got the size, all that stuff. It, the difference between him and Brandon Whedon, uh, because he's even younger, you know, and, and he has yeah. a big advantage in that. Is is Whedon Whedon took control of the offense, and they're not let whether they're not letting him or he's not taking control, whatever. That's his biggest problem. And the indecisiveness, like you said. So, yeah, I think if we could eliminate that and and fix that, I think we're going to because we're going to have to get those open guys over the middle against West Virginia. Yep. Listen, we we can't. You you said earlier about 
the typical Oklahoma State football. Well, what I what I think you mean by that is these slow starts that we have, like you said, playing down to your opponent. We can't do that against West Virginia. If you think if you think they're going to come in there and we're going to be able to have a start like we had against Kansas, Iowa State, all the, everybody this year, you're wrong. We're 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 not that good. We're not good enough to let a team get up on us big and then just come kick it in whenever we want. Yeah. We better come to play, and we better come to play from the get-go. And if we do that, I think we're going to beat them. Because I'm still not convinced in you know West Virginia, but we're going to have to play from the whistle. Yeah, I agree. And since, I mean, let's just talk about that West Virginia game for a second. West Virginia cracked into the top 10, uh, coming at number 10 in the AP poll. They're 6-0, 3-0 in the Big 12. Um, and, you know, the one thing you've got to say – about this team so far is I think coming into the season, everyone was like, man, is, is Holgerson going to be fighting for his job? And, um, you know, I think they've put that to rest a little bit. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're relatively untested. You look at their schedule. They opened with Missouri at home and won 26 to 11. Um, Youngstown State, they beat BYU on a neutral site, 35 32. That was kind of a wild game. Beats Kansas State seventeen sixteen. Uh, the the big game their their last two games to me are the most impressive at Texas Tech forty eight to seventeen. I mean they just absolutely dismantled them. And then last week they hosted TCU and won thirty four to ten. And another game they they just took these high powered offenses and just absolutely uh, just took them apart. They forced turnovers. And and I think if you're Oklahoma State, the thing you've got to look at is what is their defense doing against these these spread attacks. That's that that we can't fall prey to um, because they're not necessarily. I mean, yeah, they 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 outscored TCU forty eight to seventeen. The or I mean Texas Tech the TCU game thirty four to ten. It was a big big difference, but they kind of gradually pulled away from in that game. And so if you're Oklahoma State, you know your offensive coaches have to be looking and saying, okay, we can't turn the ball over. And we can't, um, we can't have short three and out drives because against, uh, that's exactly what TCU and Tech did. And if you're Oklahoma State, who especially in the first half is prone to three and outs, um, you, you can't, you can't allow yourself, like you said, to fall behind against the West Virginia defense that really, you know, I'm not, I'm not at all going to say they're the best, you know, they're one of the top defenses in the country. Um, but, but as far as the Big 12 goes, it sure looks like they may be the best in the Big 12. And so, you know, for Oklahoma State's going to have to figure out how to sustain drives and put points on the board. Yeah, without a doubt, I think they're the best in the Big 12, but, I don't know. You, you know, you could compare apples to oranges and apples to apples or whatever all you want with scores, but when it comes down to it, a lot of it just don't make sense. Like, how does, you know, Texas Tech, you know, Texas Tech gets held to, what was it, 16 points? 17, 17 yeah. points. Yeah, against West Virginia, and then goes and lights up OU, who, you know, who Kansas State, you know, was, I, you know, I don't, I had to turn my, ESPN off. I'm losing battery quick, so I was eliminating some stuff. So I don't have that stuff in front of me. But you know, when you look at one game and you're like, okay, well they they held them to this, but then they you look to the other game, they're like, well they freaking allowed this, but this team that they handled allowed that. You know, held them to you know a lot of that stuff. It's like that don't even make sense. Yeah, but you know, it's that's that's the name of the game, and that's that's the way it goes. And it you know, well I don't know. Uh, it's 
I, I would like. I I honestly think West Virginia's defense is better. It's it's better than where it has been. And uh, I, I you know as far as what game plan, what do we put together uh, to stop it? Um, I I think exactly what you said. We've got we can't have three and outs. And in order to not have three and outs, Yursic has got to be more creative. We cannot listen. Every week, I feel like I say, that was the worst called game I've ever seen in Oklahoma State history. That was the worst called game I've ever seen in football history, period. Whatever grade, from Pop Warner to, to stinking NFL. I mean, that was just terrible. And I feel like every week I'm saying that because it feels like it's just getting worse. Kansas game to me, that was the worst game. I mean, that play calling was just atrocious. And I'm sorry if I'm a little too harsh or whatever. I'm I'm sick of it, quite frankly. It is ridiculous. I it, you know, I just I can't sit there time and time again and watch run, run, pass. Run, run, pass. You know, let's let's run the jet sweep to the short side of the field. We got, you know, 15 yards to give over here. Let's let's run it to the short side. Side of the field. I think that was one way we were creative in getting James Washington the ball. Yeah, is we taught we you know did that little shovel pass or whatever to him uh, at one point in the game. But if I recall, and I may be wrong, I may be just too fired up. We we did it and gave him the short side of the field. Let let him let him have a little room to work with. But I see teams doing that all the time, so I don't know what the deal is there. But it was just a. We're going to have to be more creative. We're going to have to. We can't go three and out against these guys. We got to keep our defense off the field as long as possible. And and when we're on the field with defense, we we've got to, you know, I don't like the bend but don't break philosophy. I like to get up there and hit them and come at them. But in a team like this, it you know you have to slow them down. You have to force them to to run more plays. You can't you can't let them you know these two play scores. Yeah. Or else it's it's going to get ugly quick. And you're just you're on and off, on and off, on and off. You know you got to have some, you know, some uh, stability both in the offense and the defensive side. So, yeah, and you I, know, uh, you look at West Virginia. We'll they, see. They're they're tenth in the nation in total yards. They average five hundred ten yards a game. The 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 odd thing to me is you know they average five hundred ten yards a game, but but their scoring offense is forty fourth in the country. They're they're putting up only thirty three points per game, and I say only. Um, that's still a lot, but, but compare that to Oklahoma State, they're averaging 41 points per game. Um, and they have the 31st ranked offense as far as total yardage goes. And so, um, it, it, it shows me that West Virginia, that they, they can, they can definitely sustain drives, but they can't always, um, uh, finish them off. Um, when they do get in the red zone, they are very effective. Um, they score 87% of the time, which is, uh, about three percentage points better than Oklahoma State in the red zone, but, but if you're Oklahoma State on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, you, I think you, you kind of like Kansas, kind of like Iowa State in the fourth quarter. You've got to find a way to get turnovers. And I mean, preferably for Oklahoma State fans, you can do that in the first half to maybe turn that ball game around, um, early as opposed to late. Um, but you know, this defense, I mean, they're plus six in the turnover game. And, uh, you know, I think that it's pretty obvious that that's how this team will live and how it will die on the defensive side of the ball is, is they have to be able to create turnovers. And so it'll be interesting to see, um, kind of what side wins out because, you know, it being in Stillwater, I think gives OSU an advantage. Uh, West Virginia opened as a four point favorite. 
Um, but you know, I, I, I know people are going to be skeptical of West Virginia and, and I think this is a game where they're going to say, okay, well, well, how good are they really? And so, um, if you're Oklahoma State, it's homecoming. You've got to come out and, and really, uh, set the tone early. I mean, you know, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, I think you're hoping for like the TCU game last year, um, where you could just jump on them early and then, then it, it never really looked back. Um, you know, Jared, you may remember the last time West Virginia came to town on homecoming and, and they, uh, ended up winning, um, 34 to 10 against Oklahoma State. That was the game where it was like 112 degrees. And, uh, do you remember that game? Oh, yeah. It's unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't good at all. But, you know, hopefully, you know, sometimes I think with Holgerson, you know, I loved him when he was at Oklahoma State. You know, I loved him when he was over at Tech. Just the creative mind that he is, that you know, the you know that that leech um, mindset of just you know I'm going to do whatever you know I want and 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 check out this play. I think sometimes though, what I've seen in him being a, a head coach, sometimes he he's got his biggest, uh, you know. I don't know what you call it. His, his biggest biggest weakness, I think, is himself. Sometimes, I think sometimes he comes to these games like Oklahoma State, uh, plays these teams that the fans know him. Everybody knows what he does, knows who he is. Man, this guy slings it around. They they we have all these trick plays and stuff. And I think sometimes, sometimes he gets in his own head and he he, he says, you know, I'm gonna. I'm going to do something different. I'm not going to be that type of person. I'm going to establish the run. I'm going to try to do this, and and I'm going to, you know, because I I remember watching him a few games, and I'm like, well, what's he, what's what what is he doing? Like, yeah, that's a terrible call. Why why are you running it? Why, you know, they, you know, where's the the Holgerson that that I remember? And I think I think it's sometimes you know him thinking he has to be, you know, you know more. Uh, what's the word more uh I, I don't i don't know what the word i'm looking for consistent yeah consistent and the the typical you know run past you know offense that you see so i think sometimes it gets in his way if he the, the, my biggest fear is that he comes into stillwater and he says you know i'm i'm holgerson and 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 this is what I do, you know, and, and he's running all these plays where you just can't guess where the yeah. ball is going. You can't guess what he's doing because if he does that and our our secondary um, plays like we've been playing, <clears throat> number seven, anyways, not calling out any names, but uh, it's, we're, we're in for a big surprise. Yeah. I, I really hope that Holgerson gets in his own head and tries to establish this run and says that well, I'm going to beat you uh, in a way that you're not going to expect it. I hope that happens. Yeah. Well, and because you know, I don't want to see him doing all these stuff. And you know who else on that West Virginia sideline probably uh, feels like they have something to prove? Um, and that's Joe Wickline. Yeah, the, yeah Wickline. Yeah. Yeah, and so you know yeah. he's he's up there now this year, and so um, you know it was Wickline and Holgerson that created a lot of the offensive sets that Oklahoma State still runs today. And, uh, so it'll, you know, that's, it's always, um, I I don't know if fun is the right word for this matchup because it's usually pretty scary, uh, for Oklahoma State fans, but it is always kind of interesting to see those guys, uh, roaming the sidelines again. And, you know, like I said, it's homecoming. They'll be, they'll be remembering, uh, one year after the, the tragedy, 
uh, that happened during the homecoming yeah. parade last year. And so uh, there will be a lot of emotions going on at that game for a lot of different reasons. Um, but but if you're Oklahoma State, you just hope you can find a way to pull out uh, a victory. Because, Jared, and, and we, we won't dwell on this long, um, I was looking at this uh, yesterday. So Oklahoma State, they, they host West Virginia. Then they go to Kansas State, and Kansas State is not looking like world beaters, but OSU hasn't won in Manhattan since 2010. Um, then they're home against right. Texas Tech, and we just saw what Texas Tech was capable of. Not that they're they're great, but they can definitely put points on the board. And then you finish at TCU right. and at Oklahoma. Um, you know, OSU sitting at five and two, they should easily be six and one. And really, I think probably a lot of the players and coaches think they should be undefeated right now. Um, that they gave those two, two losses away, yeah, I but mean, fumble. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, but I mean, not to, I guess just the, the pessimistic Oklahoma state upbringing in me looks at that schedule and just as easy as they could, they could finish the season at nine and three or eight and four. Uh, it, it would not be too much of a stretch to finish six and six, and so this game right here yeah. against West Virginia really, I think, is huge. Not not just for potential Big Twelve uh, title implications, you know, to try to stay in that race, but but just the trajectory of your season because because it doesn't get any easier after this. No, and it's just confidence too. I mean, yeah. you just when you got a team coming in like this and if you could take care of business and you could pull out this win, I think it just, you know, for, for at least a day or for at least a week until the next game, you got fans thinking, forgetting about all the problems we've had with the line, all the problems we've had with the secondary, you know, you kind of forget about that and think, Hey, here we go. Next thing you know, more, more butts are in the seats. And of course we don't have one more home game after that, but but I think it's just a total confidence booster, and 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 it gets your season rolling. Because I because you're right, this is a huge game, and you could say you know it's not a make or break because I you know it's not like we're on the verge of playoff or whatever. But as far as um, going back to that mediocre, let's get by and we're just happy we're in a bowl game, or you know we're contending for a Big Twelve title, playing in a you know a major bowl. You know that stuff is on the line. So I think yeah. if if you're wanting to sway to the hey we're we're contenders, then you got to win this game at home because it ain't gonna no matter how bad that uh, o, OU defense has been and all that stuff, and ain't no game in Norman easy for the Cowboys. Ain't no game period against you know OU easy for them. Yeah. So we get we got to hit them in the mouth and we got to do it quick. And and I think like you said, bringing up you know the parade. Um, the tragedy that happened last year. There's going to be a lot of uh, emotions happening in this game, uh, both sides of the of the uh, you know spectrum, whatever you want to say. You you got to going to have you're probably going to have your moments of silence and that stuff, which needs to happen. And people are going to be thinking about the families, you know, of those lives lost and and all that stuff. And then and then they're going to. On the other side, you're going to have a lot of emotion because I think they're, I think they're probably going to uh, present. I, I, I would be surprised if they didn't present that 1945, you know, trophy. Yeah. yeah. And I, th- I think they said they got one guy alive. Yeah. I think they're going to probably will, will him out there, and uh, you know. But my, my point being that there's going to be a lot of emotions in this game, both you know, 
emotions you you would rather not have you know sad you know motions but you're also going to have that uplifting emotions and and sometimes sometimes uh that that adds to you know that that helps you and, and sometimes it hinders you so what how can you bottle that can you bottle that emotion and and make it you know win one for gipper you know as they say or 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 do you let that emotion you know take over and yeah. and and so I, I'm excited to see how it goes, and I am definitely excited about seeing that trophy. Yeah, I know you are. Um, so they better. I'll tell you what. They better bring that trophy out. I'm going to be upset, and I'll go straight to Boone and file a complaint if that trophy <laughs> ain't presented. Well, they have, like you said, they have two more games. Uh, they have this game, and then they have one more uh, to make that happen. So I, I could, I could see them maybe it's homecoming. Well, it makes sense it's homecoming, but I could also see them waiting for the other game just because it is homecoming. So they already have enough, enough right. to celebrate. Yeah. Um, but let, Jared, let's just uh, before we wrap up, let's let's com- completely switch gears because. Um, as of the day of recording this, the uh, NBA uh, deadline for cutting your rosters has happened, and that means that Thunder basketball is on the horizon. They open the season this Wednesday at Philadelphia, and uh, their first home game is this Friday against Phoenix. And and you know, Jared, I mean, I know we've we have been all in football mode, um, you know, so far on on this on this podcast, and so we admittedly probably haven't done all of our homework on the thunder but um you know as the season starts this week uh you know big things happen the july 4th kevin durant declares his independence and then goes to to oakland and joins the golden state warriors and now uh, russell signs for uh signs an extension so this is officially russell westbrook's team um just real quick jared what are what are your expectations uh for the thunder this year well, you have to be – I mean, you have to be realistic. that The team is not going to be as good as they have been. You know, whether – you know, you could say people get on the – you know, they hate Durant. Whatever, we don't need you anyways. You're a ball hog, and they start talking all this nonsense. <laughs> what it boils down to is he, he, he has been our best player, period. Uh, Russell Westbrook is a phenomenal athlete. He's a phenomenal player. Player. I wouldn't want any personally. I wouldn't want any other point guard, you know, in the league. But you can't lose the fact that you just lost your best player. So our team isn't going to be, you know, where it could be. Now, ha- having said that, I'm in by no means, by no way, saying that this team is in trouble. We're not as good or whatever, because Presty does as Presty does. He he he. You know, this nonsense about Kevin saying, you know, they weren't helping him out, bringing players in, you know, that's I, – I just don't buy that because, I mean, when you look at the the, the changes we made, uh, you know, parting ways with the Baca Harden, you know, I just – I can't believe that we weren't doing our part in surrounding him with good players. So having said that, it's going to be a fun year because, like you said, it is Russell's team now. You know, a lot of that, you know, he's going to have that extra burden on his shoulders that mm-hmm. he's going to carry. But I think it's going to make him – if 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 he wasn't already enough of a passionate player, because, you know, he wears his heart on his sleeve. Yeah. He's going to be – that's going to be magnified to, by 10 because he's going to be out something to prove, you know. Yeah. He's going to be trying to prove something. And is he going to be able to, to hone that in and, you know – 
you know, pick up where he left off. You know, the end of the year, he was playing some his best basketball period, you know, getting people involved and, and the assist, and he, he was just on fire. Can he carry that over this season? I think if he does do that while maintaining that leader role, you know, he is the star player. Um, the weapons that we have around him, um, we're not going to be a pushover. We're we're going to be contending. We're definitely going to be contending. Um, are we as good as we could have been with Kevin? No. Nobody can say that we we are. But we have potential to be in uh, one of the top you know teams in the league. And and I'm so excited to see where this takes us and see what Russell can do. You know, being the 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 head you know of the of the the franchise now. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of fans remember two years ago whenever Durant um, missed most of the season and, and uh, Russell Westbrook just basically, I mean, almost averaged 40 points a game um, to try to force that team into the playoffs and they fell, they fell just short. Um, and so I think fans, you know, they, they think they're going to see that from Russell and, and I mean, admittedly, he could come out and average 40 a game, but I don't think that would be the best thing for the Thunder. Um, but you know, they're, they're going to be a team this year. Uh, that, that I think they're going to be, they're not going to be as fast as they were last year. Um, they're going to be more of a pounded out team. You know, they've got, uh, Adams and Cantor down low. Uh, you know, you've got Robertson, uh, on the, on the outside. And then, um, then, you know, you got Westbrook and whoever else they throw out on that wing. I know Oladipo, Oladipo will be the guy. The, The thing I question about Oladipo and Westbrook on the, on the court at the same time is, um, they're they're basically the same player in in terms of their style, and so I'm going to be interested to see um, how they coincide. You know, Jared, someone I'm excited to see, and I, and I'm I'm excited, but but very guardedly excited because he's just a rookie. But I I can't wait to see Sabonis, um, you sure. know, in that forward spot. The they it's likely he'll start in place of of Ibaka. Um, on Wednesday night. And so, you know, he's, I remember his, his dad, Arvita Sabonis, you know, playing for the Trailblazers back in the, the early and mid nineties. And just, a, you know, he was just like a, a he man out there, just some, you know, yeah. old man pickup game. Um, but, you know, so I, I'll be anxious to see how he develops, but I'm, I'm really interested to see how Steven Adams continues to develop. Um, you know, the playoffs are really his coming out party. And, um, you know, he's got potential to have a really big year and then Cantor as well. Um, and you know, I'm uh, traditionally Presti's not a big trade deadline mover. Um, but, but this year, I think if we're somehow in, in, in a spot to maybe make some, make some noise to get into the playoffs, uh, I could see them making some, some moves at the trade deadline, but obviously that's several months away. We've, we've got to get, get started first but um you know it's like i said we've we've been in full on football mode but but uh basketball is back and you know here in a couple more weeks we're going to be talking about OU OSU ORU and Tulsa basketball as well yeah. so um you know it's getting Well to that's the, it. Oh sorry. Go ahead. Well I was just saying it's getting to that time of year. Yeah and definitely especially looking at the way you know you know OU fans and and pr- proudly to admit uh, I think some o- OSU fans, at least I am anyways, are becoming this way. Uh, OU tends to – it's national title or bust. And so they, they – you know, I hear OU fans uh, jump ship quick. And I don't mean jump ship to another 
you know, team, I, I'm talking, you know, they lose a game, so they lose interest and they move on to the next, you know, the next sport. Well, you know, Big 12 title is not good enough for OU. And I like that mindset because it, you know, it tells me that, you know, you expect a lot out of your team. And I, I say all that to say this with OU having two losses, Oklahoma State having two losses, with the whole Durant thing leaving, where's the Thunder team going to be? I think. Uh, Wednesday night, this is going to be one of the m- biggest viewed op- season opener Thunder game um, you've seen maybe since the beginning of the uh, of this franchise. Just just based on the whole uh, Durant factor, where's this team going to be without him? And then you know y- you have some lost interest. Of course, they don't play on Wednesday nights I- anyways. But I know a lot of times when my head's full in football i'm not even focused on basketball but let's just say i'm going to be tuning in uh wednesday definitely probably at the thunder pad yeah uh on the 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 new thunder pad or are you uh, staying the at the old thunder. one oh yeah the no I, i'm sure i'll be at the new one okay um, <laughs> Gotta we'll see it how in. it works out we'll see how it works out if i'm not satisfied we'll probably be back at the old one <laughs> but we'll see but i I just, I, it's exciting. I can't wait to see where this team is going to be. Uh, I, I can't wait to see how we play. And, and, you know, you can't expect too much. It's going to take probably a few few games for this team to really start gelling, you know, figuring out its identity without Kevin for a little while. People are probably going to be a little frustrated with Westbrook trying to do too much. You know, I, I'm not going to expect him to just have it down game one, uh, you know, after all they played all those years together. But I'm excited to see where where the Thunder's at, and then like you said, Oklahoma State and and OU and uh, Tulsa and ORU, uh, you know, basketball coming up, and uh, I'm I'm excited. I'm, yeah. I'm getting close to, and, and I'm a huge wrestling fan too. Yeah, so wrestling too. I, I'm excited about OSU's ranked number that. one by Intermat yeah. preseason. Yeah, I just want to see us be back at the top. You know, we've we've been we've we've been near the top in the rankings. You know for a little while now, but we haven't brought home a, a national title in, in a few years now. So I'm, uh, we, we've got the makings of a team this year that could contend for that. We just gotta, we gotta finish and we haven't been able to finish the last couple of years. So yeah, it's exciting. It's an exciting time of the year. Um, but yeah, so Oklahoma state was preseason number one and OU came in at number 20 in the preseason wrestling ranking. So a uh, lot to talk about here in the next couple of weeks. We will start talking about uh, college basketball and, and we'll go in a little more depth on that because um, a lot of a lot of things happening in the state basketball wise. So, uh, but Jared, we got to get out of here. The show's gone a little bit long, but real fast, it is officially World Series time. And even though this has nothing to do with Oklahoma, who you got, Cubs or Indians? Well, here's the thing. <clears throat> I, 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 I like Cleveland. And Cubs, I've always they've always kind of been. Look, I'm a Yankees fan, but I've always been. You know, Cubs have been. You know, probably my number two team, just a team that I I love seeing win. Uh, and of course, they haven't. You know, been even been to the World Series since 1945. Great year, by the way. 1945 oh, yeah. is yeah. on a lot of a lot of people's minds this year. But um, so I'd love to see the Cubs break this curse and stuff. But but here's the thing that bothers me. They, you know, Cubs got hot here. Here, this last series, these these last few games, start hitting the ball and stuff. I I think they're going to continue that. The only thing that scares me is, um, oh, I just went blank. 
Frank Frank uh, Indians Francona Terry Francona Terry Francona he scares me a little bit because I, and the GM because I you know a lot of people probably I'm sure know this but maybe some don't you know the guy that broke the curse in Boston is the guy that the Cubs are going to be facing. Uh, in this World Series, and he's also got like an eight. I, I want to say it's eight no record in World Series games. He's yeah. had two shutout. You know, he ha- he has yet to lose in World Series games. So I, I'm a big superstition guy. So I'm, that that kind of scares me. Is is are we going to be able to take down the guy that 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 you know got rid of the curse in Boston. Yeah, but, but uh, Jared, on the, but I, I, on the flip side of that, the, the man right. who hired Francona, Theo Epstein, is in the front yes. office for the Cubs. Cubs, yeah. So, so that's, you know. that's, that's what I was saying about the whole, whole uh, you know, that whole thing. It's like, which which way is it going to go? And I I don't know. Head-to-head battle, it's, it's – it's, uh, man, it's exciting. But I got the Cubs. I, I got the – I'm sticking with the Cubs. I think they're going to win and, and – Game six, it's not even going to go to game seven. They're going to win it in six, and uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, I, I agree. It's going to be fun. I would. Here's my thing. I, the Cubs should win, and, and I don't mean this in a bad way at all, but I mean the Cubs paid to win this thing. Um, right. Highest payroll in baseball. They've been the best team all year. It would honestly, curse notwithstanding, it would be a disappointment if they don't win it this year. Um, cause, yeah. cause they paid for it and they've got the players. I mean, Bryant, Rizzo, uh, Baez. I mean, he's playing out of his mind, not to mention the pitching staff, that whole thing. But having said that, um, Cleveland is just playing unreal baseball unreal. in the, in the postseason. And, you know, you know, like you said, well, the Cubs, their last three games, they got it together. Well, but they, games one and two and, uh, they, they, in three, I guess, in the, the division series or the championship series, uh, they, they didn't play that great, but, but Cleveland has played great every game they've been in. And so, yeah. um, I'm not going to be disappointed no matter who wins because a curse is going to be broken by one of them. And so it, it doesn't, right. it doesn't matter to me. Uh, but having said that, as much as I want the Cubs to win because it's the Cubs and it's 108 years and it's Wrigley and it's all those fans, uh, part of me kind of, kind of likes Cleveland in this series. So that's it. Well, I can't, can't fault you there. They're, they're a good team and I, you know, I, I like them and, and I wouldn't be terribly disappointed. If they're going to lose to somebody, I'd rather it be the Yankees. But since that's not even a, you know, that's not even a possibility, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it, it's definitely Cleveland. I I want Cleveland to 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 do it. But yeah, I think and- Ar- Arietta is a, a big a big key in that. He, he you know he started off the season kind of where he left off last year, but he's just if he's just off that that milla that millisecond or that his release point or whatever. Mm-hmm. He can be the best pitcher in the league, and then he or he could go to the worst with his accuracy. So, yeah. I think he's key. If he if he can be on, then I think they're going to be with that pitching staff that they have, and and the sticks, the way that they've been, like you said, Rizzo and those guys been hitting. It's it's going to be tough. Yeah, tough to beat them. But I so agree. you're gonna go, you're gonna go Cleveland. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Cubs. Cleveland and what? How many games? I, I'll say I'll say six. And the reason, and one of the reasons I'll give them an edge, not just because they're playing out, but because of the the dumb way they have the All Star game. You know, winner gets home field, yeah, uh, which is stupid. absolutely stupid. But I think it helps Cleveland because if if home field were in, in Wrigley, I wouldn't give them a chance um, because that place is going to be so out of its mind hyped 
um, it's not even going to be a fun place to, to visit if you're in the visiting locker room. So, uh, but but it should be a fun series, Jared. We got to get out of here. Um, so uh, don't forget, you can find us on the on social media at OK Sports Show. You can email us at Oklahoma Sports Show at gmail.com and uh, find our blog posts on medium.com slash Oklahoma Sports Show or also on oklahomatalking.co. There you can find blog posts. You can find all our old episodes. And uh, make sure you tell your friends about us and uh, even the ones who don't like sports. Maybe they can find something enjoyable. So, Jared, you got any any other thoughts as we shut her down? I don't. Let's let's have a big big uh, big victory down in Boot Pickens this weekend, and uh, and I'll be happy. And uh, <laughs> go Cubs! And go Cubs! Um, all right. Well, that's it for the Oklahoma Sports Show. I'm Jason Evans, and that is Jared Kennedy. And we will see you later. See ya.